just thinking about um, the prayers for Alpha. I said that I'm going to invite my uh, nephew to Alpha. Uh, I've invited him, and uh, apparently he's coming. And uh, I was I was chatting to him in the car yesterday. We came to badminton in in Brixton. Uh, we played one game of double, and we lost. It was really really annoying. Uh, we lost 25-23 or something like that. Um, but I was chatting to him in the car, and, and he was basically saying, uh, I can see that probably religion has done more good than bad. Yeah? Quite a big thing for him to say, acknowledge. Uh, he doesn't acknowledge much very often. And, and then he said, um, you know, so, so I said, and I, and I said, yeah. And I tried to explain to him, I simply said, yeah, it's really interesting. It, it's like people don't know who God is and that, and that God in our world has got a bit of a poor reputation. It might be because of the church, but he's got a bit of a poor reputation. And I said to him, if people knew God as he reveals himself in the Bible, many of them would go, wow, I didn't know he was like that. I had no idea that God, that, that was what God was like. I thought God was like this. And we just talked about the idea of people who have reputations and you don't know them. And then you go to the place where they are and you live among the people that they, that they live among. And you're shocked and surprised because they're nothing like you thought. And I think God's like that. that we live in a world where people have no idea what God is really like. And they've got no idea what his kingdom is really like and the good that it brings uh, to the world. But one day, as we were praying, they will know. And our prayer is that through Alpha and through other things, many will get to hear and know about him now. So, uh, yeah, I encourage you to pray for Alpha. Pray for your friends. Even now, it's not too late. I, I was meant to invite my sister uh, and her boyfriend. I didn't get to do that last night, but I, I'm still planning to do that. I've got an invite for them. So I'm encouraging you to do that uh, as well, to think and pray. It's worth it. It's worth it. For them to come and know what you know about God is worth it. So I would encourage you to do that. Uh, today we're going to do uh, four things. We're going to look a little bit at the mission statement that God has given us as a church. We're going to hear from a number of our key uh, ministry team leaders who sort of oversee areas of ministry in the church. We're going to consider some of the challenges and opportunities that face us. And then we're going we're gonna to just worship and pray together. So, so that's where we're going. We've got loads of time. So um, I won't be talking for too long, I promise you. So I want to look at the mission statement. So, and I will be referring to the Bible. So I've got my Bible here. I haven't just got it here because it looks right. I've got it open at a passage I'm going to read. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about how, what God has called us to do and how the revelation of that keeps growing um, and it's not so much something that once upon a time I sat down uh, and thought, okay, this is the big vision for Beacon and we've just got to try and make this happen. Uh, God has been slowly but surely revealing us. We would describe it in Old Testament language. We would say, we're trying to follow the cloud. Yeah? Do you remember Moses when he led the people out of Egypt? Uh, God led them through, through a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. So they were led supernaturally. 
They weren't led by a, uh, by a program or a personality or a particular philosophy. They were led supernaturally. And then in the New Testament, we're led supernaturally by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. And that's how, as a church, we seek to be led. But we don't seek to be led by a program. So if you come to Beacon, you go, what type of church is Beacon? Oh, oh right, it's an alpha church. It's an alpha church. And that would mean that everything we, all, we do is orientated around running alpha courses. Alpha is a great tool, but we're not an alpha church. We're, we're hopefully trying to be a Holy Spirit church uh, is led by the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, uh, bizarrely enough, you have to pray. Yeah? If you're going to be led by the Spirit, you have to keep in step with the Spirit. And one of the ways you do that is you pray to the Spirit, you listen to the Spirit, you, you read the Word, and you're sort of marrying these two things uh, together. And so that's the type of church that God's calling us to be. And so we didn't have at the very beginning a really, really clear statement. And many of you would know, because if you were here early on, you used to ask me, um, and even Ben, one of my elders, Ben Armour, was always asking, so what's the vision of Beacon? What's the vision of Beacon? Where are we going? And I would say, I don't really know. Yeah? That wasn't that I was lazy and I, oh man, Owen doesn't seem to care. He's got no idea where we're going. It was, it was genuinely, had I written a vision, I would have literally, I would have written one. I would have done it. Because I didn't know. Yeah? And so not knowing actually was a good thing, and I think it was a God thing, because that just meant I prayed a bit more. Yeah? Because I didn't know. So I was saying, oh God, I, I need you to show me. Anyway, around three years ago, um, uh, myself and, and Charlene, who used to work in the office, and Hannah, we went to a, um, a, a conference. We went to a Willow Creek conference. It was based in Orpington. And um, off the back of that conference, it was two days, one thing came out for me, and that was the idea of having a, a mission statement. What Basically, what are we being called to do? And I around that time thinking, praying, talking about this mission statement. And most of the church, to be honest, I don't seem to know it. I don't, I don't refer to it as much. In fact, I'm going to put us to the test. Who knows our mission statement? Okay, Ben. Now, I meet Ben every week. So if he doesn't know it, and Phil didn't even put his hand up, yeah? So Phil doesn't know it. Does anyone else know uh, the mission statement of, of Beacon? Or, or at least have an idea of it. You might not have all the words. Just put your hands right if you, if you have an idea. Okay, there's five of us, yeah? Five of us. So one of the aims of today is to learn the mission statement, Yeah? But learning the mission statement in and of itself is meaningless, yeah, if you don't understand how it fits and what we're trying to do. Because it is more than just words, yeah? And, and I think over time it has become more and more revealed to us. So I'm just going to read you the mission statement, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to uh, talk into a bit. So our mission statement, if you know this, why don't you join with me in saying it? If you know the mission statement... Why don't you join? If I'm here, okay, okay. You don't even need to know it, yeah? You can just, let's just say this together because this, I believe, is what Beacon is called to do. So let's say it together. One, two, three. Serving unity. Okay, well, well done. We can read. Well done. Now, I know some people can't read, but they would have necessarily heard that. But we can read the mission statement. Okay, I'm just going to pray, and uh, we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit will help us not just to read it, but to know it, 
and for it to uh, help us in what we're called to do. Father, we are grateful to you again uh, for your presence. Lord, we don't presume upon it. We recognize that you're a, a God of amazing grace and that you, you choose to come and meet with your people and that the unique thing about the church is the presence of God among the people of God. And so I pray this morning as we look at what you've called us to do as a church that you would speak to us uh, clearly, that you would speak into many hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that mission statement was given to us uh, a number of years ago. I think when, we, when it was given to us, I can't even remember where we were. I'm not even sure if we had moved to the Ritzy, moved to Brixton. We just knew that God had called us. I think maybe we had just about moved to Brixton. So there, there are some things that are pretty established. So Beacon is a church that meets in Brixton. It feels very much that, that right now the call upon us is, is, is to establish something in this place. Now, many people from Beacon don't, don't live in Brixton because, partly because it didn't begin here. Yeah, it sort of, it found its way here. It wasn't, we didn't choose at the beginning to go, look, we want to go and meet in Brixton. I didn't think that, that thought had not even occurred to me, even though we met like a mile up the road, it never occurred to me to move to Brixton. Yeah, it was a number of prophetic promptings that realised, oh, we need to move. Yeah, and when I realised we needed to move, do you know what, I didn't want to move. I realised I quite liked church where nobody knew where we were. Yeah, I quite liked it. It was all private. It was just us loving Jesus and loving one another. I quite liked that. And then God said, no, 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 you're to move. And so we moved into Brixton. And I thought, oh, my goodness, how, how do you do church in this place? How do you do it? How do you do it and make it meaningful? And so we've been just trying to work that out uh, ever since. So we're, we're, we know that we're called, first and foremost, to establish something here in Brixton. Now, you also need to know Brixton's not the end in, a, in our hearts. We want to reach the world. Yeah? In our hearts, we want to reach the world. But right now, God has called us to establish a, a, a work here in Brixton. So when it comes to our mission statement, it's simply there to guide and help us in how we do it. God has called us, first and foremost, to serve the community through building the church. Matthew 20, verse 25, says this. And you'll remember, if you know your Bible, the story, it comes at the end of that passage where two of, uh, two of his disciples come with their mother. Um, look, can we be your special people? Can we sit at your right and your left and be special? And uh, they have a conversation, and then Jesus says this. He, he calls all his disciples together, because as you can imagine, that causes tension among the disciples when the others realize, oh man, those guys have gone specially to say, look, Jesus, let's be the close ones to you. And Jesus says this. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. So you know that in this kingdom that we live, people lord it over people. And he would say, not so with you. That's not how it is with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man 
did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Part of our mission is to serve. Yeah? Now, you might be thinking, oh, I don't want to serve. I, I want to I just do big things. Part of our mission is to serve. And we're called to serve the community that we're a part of here in Brixton. And serving is foundational. It's fundamental to what we're called to do. We're not called to serve any old community. We're called to serve this community that we're a part of. Our church needs to, in some way, reflect the community that we're in. And you'll hear in, the, uh, in a little while, there's one or two stories which will just help you understand what's around us and the type of community that Beacon is called to serve. Serving the community is not a generic thing. Oh, well, every church is called to serve and they just do that. No, we're not called to be a church that just looks very different to those around us. We're to be impacted and touched by those who are around. Our prayer is that through serving the community in obedience to the call of God, we transform the community. That's our prayer. But we're not trying to transform because transformation is a God thing. It's not a man thing. Yeah? The Holy Spirit transforms, but he can transform through you serving, through you helping, through you giving, through you loving. And you'll know, if, you're, if you have any links to Beacon, you'll know that already we serve in particular ways. We serve through the food bank, which we've been running for around 18 months now. We, we, we serve there with other churches. We serve where we've cared occasionally for, uh, for people that have come out of Brixton Prison. We've, we've, we've served in that way. We've served running a youth work. We're serving through uh, running Alpha along with other churches. We serve in very specific ways, but we're called to serve. We're not called to take over or dominate. We're called to serve. And through serving, believing that God will transform. So we're called to serve in those ways. But the main way we're called to serve, and all this might, this might sound odd, but it's true. The main way we're called to serve is by building the church. That's the main way to establish a community of God's people in this place. It's the main way we're called to serve. Jesus said, I will build my church. Yeah? And so we're joining him with that and we're going, okay, we're going to join with him in building the church. And the church is not just a, um, a sort of ethereal thing that's out there. Oh, every Christian belongs uh, to the church. Yes, we do. But actually the church is a community. I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it again because I suppose I, I truly believe it. God calls us to build a community, to build a people. Why does he do that? Because, first of all, because he promises his presence to the people of God. And secondly, it's through the relationships with the people of God that people begin to see what God is like. The gospel is not this sort of, um, uh, just sort of uh, independent idea that if I simply told people about Jesus, they repent and believe in him, everything will be okay. No, that is not the gospel. The gospel is the message of salvation that people respond to it. They get joined to the community of people who have also responded to the gospel. And that's our prayer. And actually, people ought to be able to look at the church and go, there is something different. There is something different about how those people relate to each other, and there is something different about the, how they relate to us. Back in the fourth century, um, uh, in the, the, there had been a period of time in the early part of 
the life of the church, where the church was persecuted massively. There was a great persecution at the end of the third century. And then, and then a, new, a new sort of Caesar came to power. Constantine rose to power. And what he did was he, he changed uh, the, the nature of, I suppose, of the world uh, around him. He, he had a sort of an experience of God. And he made Christianity the major religion. So suddenly everyone was, you know, it was advantageous to be Christian. Yeah? But there were also those around at the same time that did not believe that. They didn't agree with that, and they were fighting against that. But one of the things that they had to admit was this. Christians not only serve their own poor, they serve ours as well. It was a, it was a provocation to them. Christians are not only serving their own poor, they're serving ours as well. There is something about the culture of the church and what the church should be like that people should look and go, we don't understand how they do that. And it provokes us. Something about how the church is. So we are called to build the church. You see, there is no point in us serving the community if we don't build the church. Yeah? Because as a pastor, there are two things that wrestle in me. One of them is this. I want to serve the community, and through serving the community, I want to reach the lost. Yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I might not send you out with flyers down the road to sort of start speaking, but that's what I want to do. That's in my heart. But the other thing that's in my heart, and it's in my heart just as much, is I want to build the church, and that means I want to bring the Christians to maturity in their faith. I want to do that. There is absolutely no point in running out, seeing the lost saved, and joining an immature church. All you do is you mess people up. So you need the church to grow to maturity at the same time as reaching the lost. That is not an easy balance to make, but that is the balance that we have to make. We serve and we build. We serve and we build. So for me, one of the ways that we serve is through the food bank. Yeah, and it's a wonderful way. And over the over over the last two years of food bank, us with other churches, we've I was hearing this week we've we've fed over ten thousand people through the food bank in in about two years. Over ten thousand people in this area, and I'm like, that is amazing, and it is amazing. And you hear about other food bank, you realise oh, that's an amazing statistic. However, if all we ever do to people is give them food physical food, we have done them a disservice. Because in the end, there is something that is far deeper that they need more than just food to eat on their table. Yeah. So food bank for us is not simply a place that we go and feed people physically, but food bank is a bridge to the gospel. Food bank is a platform for the church. Food bank must be more than just food. So we are called to serve and we're called to build. And we're called to build this thing called the church that people look at and go, there's something different there. You read the epistles, you read, you read the story of the, the, the church, you read Ephesians, you read Corinthians, you read Romans. Those letters are written to churches. They're written to groups of people to bring them to maturity. And it's in bringing them to maturity that the world sees something and goes, ah, now, your view of church might be, oh, no, I don't think of church like that at all. But actually, we ought to think of church like that, and we ought to try and build church like that. So I have those equal and competing priorities. 
if I simply overemphasize, if I simply emphasize serving, we would be driven by need. We'd be driven by the need that we see. If we simply emphasize serving, we might help people but never see people saved. If we're simply driven by serving, we might see people who respond to the gospel but never grow in their relationship with Christ. If we simply influence by serving, people have a dysfunctional view of the church. The church to them is, oh, I'm the church. However, if we overemphasize building and we don't serve, we lose touch with reality and the life that we live and the world we live in. If all we ever did was drive up here in fancy cars, come into here, have a meeting and drive away again, and we don't, and we don't serve, we lose touch with the real world that we're in. If we overemphasize over building, it's very possible you become arrogant, you lack compassion and empathy for the very people who live next door. Very possible if you overemphasize it. The very thing that Jesus did on earth, you won't do if you overemphasize building. If you overemphasize building, people consider the church is for certain types of people, that they're good people, they're weird people, they're weak people, and they're religious people. That's what they'll think if we overemphasize building. They won't think of them as people like you and me who go through the same experiences that they do. The only difference is I've come to Jesus. He helps me. He comes to me. I don't try and sort it all out on my own. I recognize, no, he has a plan for life. I don't try and make my own plan. So why are we called to serve? As I was thinking about our mission statement, I realized that this last part of it, it's gone now, um, to the glory of Christ was actually really important. At, at one point, you could say, oh, it's just a nice phrase. It's not about us. It's about him. That's great. It's a great phrase. But it challenges me, and it challenges me because it means this. When I go, we are called to serve the community through building the church to the glory of Christ. When I talk about the glory of Christ, I mean this. As a church, it is incumbent upon us to acknowledge that Jesus builds the church. It would be really, really easy to build an empire, or even a little one. It would be really easy to build something off the back of my own stuff as the pastor. Oh, we're going to do this because, oh yeah, our churches don't do that, I'm going to do that. It would be really easy to do that. One of the other things that helps us to focus on the fact that we do it to the glory of Christ is prayer becomes a key fundamental part of what we do. Even more than doing. Doing is important, but prayer. Yeah, God, God comes to us in prayer. God keeps my faith alive when I pray and God answers my prayers. Let me give you a really little example of our answered prayer, even this week. So we've had out the last few, last couple of weeks, because Yasmin was down, and she's getting these displays of photos of her and her friends. I mean, she has so many friends. I look at these pictures, and I get tired just looking at the pictures and all the relational connections that you must have to do that. Um, so I get tired. I'm just looking at the pictures. Uh, anyway, I, we found some pictures of some really old friends of Pauline and I. And we found these pictures, and we were just saying to God, oh, yeah, you know, this guy, he's an old friend of ours. He's great. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. And we went to bed that night, and, I, and, I, and as I do, and I sort of 
you know, I probably had my lip long and my head low as I was talking to Pauline and Deb, and, and I said, oh, you know, I just, I've just been rubbish at keeping up with you. Just really rubbish at that. And I just sort of sighed and fell asleep. Yeah? I mean, yeah, Pauline doesn't, what you need to know about Pauline, she doesn't get bothered by that. You know, she just carries on regardless. It doesn't make any difference yet to her. Um, and anyway, so we were talking about this particular picture, this particular guy, and I said that to Pauline. And, and I knew in my heart, I didn't pray, but I knew in my heart that was like a longing, that was a thing. Anyway, yesterday, last night, we were there, we are celebrating my sister's birthday, and uh, in the midst of this celebrating my sister's birthday, or more to the point, I'm trying to find the next time of the train to get my dad home, in the midst of that, I get a phone call from that guy. Yeah? Now, I hadn't, Pauline said, I don't think we've seen him for like 10, 15 years. Yeah? I get a phone call from that guy, and he says, um, and, and he says, do you know who this is? I said, no, you know, here we go. I've got another weirdo on the phone. Do you know who this is? I said, no, I don't know who this is. And then he said, he said oh, it's Derek. And I go, wow. I said, Derek, that is really interesting because only two days ago we were looking at some old photos and you came. He said, oh, wow. And I said, I said, we went away for the weekend. Paulie and I were married and you were, with, you were with that girl. He said, oh, and he couldn't remember. I said, oh, yeah, it was one of many girls. Couldn't remember which girl it was. And he said, oh, it's really interesting, like you talk about girls, um, because I'm getting married. I was like, oh, wow. He said, and I'd love you and Pauline to come. And I was like, oh, wow, isn't that really interesting? Yeah? It's really interesting. And I, I could give little stories like that where I didn't even articulate the prayer, but God, God saw the heart. And so, and so prayer is a vital part of what we do because prayer continually reminds us it's to him that we look. This is about him. You see, God <coughs> won't share his glory with another. I was reminded of the story of Gideon, and uh, God says to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Now, you must just imagine that for a moment. God says that to Gideon. Imagine then there's a pause, and Gideon's going, I've got too many men. The armies that are coming are tens of thousands of people, and you're telling me I've got too many men. How, how does that quite work? He says, you've got too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. And then he goes on, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength saved her. Yeah? So there's this thing about God does not share his glory. If we set up Beacon on a program that I had come up with, it would be really difficult, even if I said, oh, everyone, no, no, it was God, in my heart to think, do you know what? Set my program into a little book, sent it out, oh, just do this, and you'll get... It would be really, really easy to do that. Yeah? But God doesn't share his glory with another. So, so having our mission statement with that at the end is a constant reminder. He doesn't share his glory. And in fact, there have been prophetic words to us, that, that, or certainly I've heard... Uh, that have been brought uh, even to me that, talk, that have talked about Beacon's going to be nameless and faceless. People aren't going to know you, Owen, because of Beacon. Whatever it is you do, they're not going to know. And I'm like, oh. what about what? I'm not going to be one of those? No, people aren't going to know you, Owen, because it's not about you. Yeah? God's going to do something here, and it's going to be really, really obvious it was God. Because people will go, have you, have you met them? Have you actually met those people? And have you seen what God has done? Yeah, it, it, it's God. 
Yeah? Now, I don't say that to disparage any. I disparage myself when I say that more than I disparage you. So God has given us this mission, and it's become really cl- clearer, serving the community by building the church to the glory of Christ. This tension we have, well, these two things we're doing, we're serving and we're building. We're reaching the lost and we're maturing the saints. We must do both. We must do. And we must do it looking to him all the time. We must do it for that reason. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, I know you're surprised. And I'm going to ask um, um, a number of people to come out and they're just going to share. So, so in order to make Deacon work, we've got a number of different teams and those teams really, you know, you can sort of, you can sort of divide them this way. They either fit under, you know, they're primarily about serving the community. So we've got teams that that's primarily what they do, they serve the community. And we've got teams that primarily build the church. Yeah? And, and the teams are reflective of where we are and what we're trying to do. They're not, they're not just generic teams. We didn't find a book on how to build a church and what, what, what teams do we have. Oh, oh, yeah, we have those types of teams. We didn't, we didn't do that. It's, it's literally through prayer and experience and doing stuff and the Holy Spirit leading us that we've come to have the teams that we have. And, and they're not all perfect teams, although they are, they are well-led teams and people are sort of really, the people who lead them are full of the Holy Spirit and that's what you need, yeah? You need people who are full of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in Acts 6 and that's what your leaders are to be. And so we're going to get, I'm just going to get these guys just to share a little bit about... Um, the team that they lead, because you might not know this, you might not, you might think, do they have a deacon work? And, well, this is primarily how we function. So, I'm going to ask to come out first. Um, those that I call are serving the community. And so, uh, that's uh, the outreach and community <coughs> team, so that's you, Ollie. Um, that's the youth, that's Dan. Uh, are you going to be able to give us two minutes? Um, and we, we've got Alpha, but we don't have anyone. We all know what Alpha is. We've talked about Alpha. But. So I want Dan and Ollie to come out, and they're just going to share a little bit about what these two teams do. And uh, Dan looks perplexed. Okay, so this is Ollie, everyone, in case you didn't know. Um, and uh, I mean, he's got notes. Dan, Dan hasn't got notes. But Dan's got a brain. And he'll be thinking about it. <laughs> Ollie also has a brain. I don't that charisma, do I? Uh, okay. Yeah. Good morning. I uh, uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about community outreach. Actually, a couple of things Owen has pretty covered pretty comprehensively in what you said already. So, uh, at the risk of repeating myself uh, or repeating Owen, I'll just cover a few things. So, the, the community outreach covers two things, as you can see up there. The, the first one I talk about is food bank. Uh, as Owen says, we we run that in kind of partnership with a number of local churches in Brixton and in Norwood, uh, and there are a number of people in the church involved in things like food collection, food distribution, and kind of managing that provision uh, kind of locally as well. So really practically, people are referred from local agencies like social service and key workers and health workers, uh, and they can come to us and collect a, a parcel of food which lasts about three days, uh, and they can pick up three of those parcels in a period, and there's hope that that, that, that provision of food uh, will carry them through so that work can kick in or kind of welfare support can kick in so that they have everything then and their family needs uh, as well. And it's just as part of that, we look to refer people on to debt advice and other support they might need just to help them solve their situation 
that and become self-sufficient. Uh, the second thing, again, which Owen mentioned, uh, is the kind of befriending, uh, and this takes two forms. One is we've got a bit of a, an informal link with Brixton Prison, supporting people who are coming out uh, of prison and supporting them emotionally and practically as they, as they look to rebuild their lives in, in Brixton and in London, uh, and just all the support we can give there as well. Uh, and then we also look to befriend and support people who come in through perhaps food bank uh, and other areas, and just, just to kind of engage them in the kind of the body of the church as well. Uh, and you'll notice from the way I've described both of those is that potentially they can be really kind of social service, really practical types of provision. Um, but our, our vision and our heart, and, and really just reiterating what Owen said, it, it is that that is to bring them into the body of Christ and support them. And through really authentic and, uh, and strong relationships, people are brought into the kind of love and care and support of the church and the life-changing message of the gospel uh, and they become part of that, and that might not be attending every Sunday for two hours, but that's all the stuff that goes on in the week, or the friendships that are built, the phone calls that are made as well. Uh, so I guess do you want us to talk about things to pray about now? Do you want to yeah, go on to that? Um, I think really the prayer is that we, everybody involved will, will capture that vision and be able to put it into practice day to day. So the conversations that they have are Christ-centered, uh, that they're that where they might come in and say, look, just see us as another social service that we just want to pick up a food parcel and go away. But actually, the conversation they have and the time they spend normally in church buildings will just really transform them and touch their lives. Um, I would say that both of these things, and, and, uh, and, and um, another thing I've been involved in the past, street passes, this is the most unbelievable insight to the community you live in. It's absolutely amazing to see the, the joy and uh, the amazing things that happen and how neighbours support each other alongside perhaps some of the challenges people face in their communities as well. So um, there, are, there are opportunities to serve. I think the first one really, if I can just plug that quite practically, is there's a food collection in a couple of weeks. If you want to be involved in that, see John, John Taylor. Uh, but these are amazing things uh, and amazing people we're able to support through it as well. Okay, so just to briefly talk about youth, um, and I've done this a number of times, sort of plugging me there in the past, um, but we basically, there was a youth group that was sort of met in Brixton at the Clapham Youth Centre, so it's probably been going for, say, maybe a couple of years or so, and um, just with the whole connection with the different sort of churches in Brixton, I mean, sort of, sort of built some relationships, um, and it was sort of his idea really, to, I guess, to sort of join uh, the youth that we had historically, which we'd had a couple of years ago, which we were no longer sort of meeting to really join with um, a couple of other churches that had a number of people, but it was really sort of struggling and I guess sort of fading a bit. So we basically pulled together this uh, youth group, which we don't have a, a name as such, it's called Brix Brixton Churches Together Youth, um, and we meet in the Clapham Youth Centre, um, and we've got a number of people from this church, so we've got Becky, um, Ollie, so Ollie's super man, he does a couple of things, um, Ruth, Afwa, um, I think that's it, isn't it? Um, who's in the team. And we basically, there's a number of other guys as well who are part of um, St. Andrews, St. Paul's, and Candles Factory. So altogether, it makes up around about, about 10 or 12 guys who are in the youth team. And I say we meet um, every other week um, on a Friday evening. Um, and, and it's just great. You know, we, um, like I say, we started this or joined together probably, I think it was early this year, late last year, early this year. Um, really just to, just to try and, you know, sort of, I guess, sort of, revive this youth group um you know they like i said they had a few people come but it was really dying out and so we pulled together and we really just tried to just revive it and to 
um, just to try to engage uh, these young people with the gospel, just to, um, to build relationships and to get to know one another. And initially the whole aim was to, you know, to take them to New Day, and that's what, you know, that's what we did. We, you know, we started the year with maybe 10 or 12 young people, and uh, we got to New Day with around about 25 young people, which was great, and obviously you know, we fed back uh, to you guys, so you'd be aware of that. But it was just, it was just really great um, to see them at New Day. A number of them made a commitment. The majority of these kids that we gather um, are just from the local area, the local estates, range from about 11 to about 14, probably the average age. Um, and it's just great to, s- to see what God is doing. He's clearly just working with these young people. A number of them, like I said, made a commitment at New Day. Um, and it's starting to grow as well. You know, we've had, you know, we came back after New Day. The first one was not the last Friday, the Friday before. Um, you know, when you have a long break, you never know. You sort of lose that momentum. You never really know how many people you can get back. And we had just sort of under 30 young people come back. Ten of these faces I'd never seen before. A number of people we hadn't seen sort of didn't come back after New Day. So there was a sort of real influx of new people. Um, and you can really see sort of God is in this. We've got a great team that just serve. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just great. Um, so uh, what I would say... Um, we're always looking for new youth leaders, so if you just want to come down and see what it's like, you don't have to commit to anything, just, uh, just to see what we do on a Friday night, just to get a taste for it, just to see what the young people are like, and you might come down and you might get scared away, but on the whole, they're really good kids, um, and to be fair, they just need a little bit of guidance and support, and ultimately just to be loved, and, and then we can all do that. Um, so just on um, another sort of note, um, we've got... Um, Basically, we got some news last night um, that one of our young persons got stabbed, um, and it was it was quite serious. So this is a guy who we've been, who I've known, and a number of guys we've known probably for about three years or so. He came to the initial youth group that we started, I don't know, maybe three years or so, um, and then like I say, we we sort of we stopped the youth and we started again. And he sort of come back, and he's sort of I think he's 16, 17, um, and he um, I think he got sort of mugged last night, um, and he got stabbed by well, he got stabbed four times by three three guys. I think one was in the heart, one in the arm, one in the leg. They airlifted him to um, to King's Hospital, and I think they had to, I guess, do an emergency operation on him um, and just hearing from his mum saying that he's fairly stable and he's in ITU, but they've not yet seen him. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, just personally, you know, I work with young people, you hear this thing all the time, um, and it is really, really sad, but... Um, at the same time, I think it's just really great that he can, that there's somebody that he knows us and you know, his mum was just really just positive and really just like, I, see, I don't even think they're Christians, but you know, his mum was saying, God, can you just pray for us? Can you pray for him and pray for us? Um, so I think we're going to do that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so just, you know, yeah, just, um, you know, just to finish up with you, if you do want to get involved, there's loads and loads of young people that do not know Christ, and, you know, you could be a vessel for that. So just to encourage you to come along. If you want any more details, please speak to myself or Afwa or Ollie or Becky, um, and you're more than welcome just to come along and just to see what it's like. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. So, um, yeah, we got that news, and I, I wanted Dan to mention that because it's a very, very practical example that we're not just a church about ourselves, that there are people that we connect with, that we know that have been in our homes and our houses who are living in a very different world to the one that you and I experience. But it's good that we are exposed to that. And uh, we were praying this morning upstairs, and, and Afwa, who, again, who knows Jake well, was praying, uh, God, thank you that his life was preserved, that this young man's life has been preserved. And, and although we don't see it, 
But we must understand that God means things for good. God, God has a purpose and a plan through everything that happens. And uh, as a church, I just think we're serving the community. And one of the ways we're going to do that right now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Jake. Um, I'd like us to stand. Um, we're going to come together. We're going to pray. Um, I want us to pray for Jake first, and then I think it would be good for us to pray for youth and the food bank and maybe lay on hands on some of those guys. Um, so why don't we all lift our voices uh, for Jake. Let's, let's pray that he is completely restored, that he is completely healed, um, and that the gospel goes forth again in his life. Why don't we lift our voices? Dear Father, we, we pray for Jake, Lord, we, we lift him up to you this morning and we, we, we pray that you will, you will spare his life, O oh God. We pray that there will be no, um, uh, there'll be no relapse, God, we, we thank you that he's stable, we pray that you will spare his life and Lord, we pray that in sparing his life, it will be for your purposes, it will be for your will, it will be for your name and Father, we thank you. Uh, that it is a privilege as a church that we are so connected to the real world around us, Lord God, that we're not out there just doing our own thing. We are connected. And so we pray that you will give us wisdom. How do we move forward? How do we show support? How do we come alongside that family? How do we come alongside that, um, that young man, oh God, and other people that will be affected by this? We pray for your wisdom into this situation. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead and guide uh, in this situation, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I want us to do now is, uh, just while we're standing, if you're involved in food bank or uh, youth, I just want you to put your hand up. Right up, right up really high. Food bank or youth. And I just want one or two of you just to go, put, put your hands on them and just to pray. Just to pray for them. Um, you know, some of you are involved in both. Um, I know Becky is and Ollie is. But just get alongside them and just to begin to pray for that pray person. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be upon them just for a couple of minutes. Pray that they would be full of the Spirit and wisdom in how they play that role. Uh, pray that they will be strengthened by the Spirit in what they're doing and that they won't be disheartened. Uh, they won't run out of steam and energy. Uh, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray for them.
Father, we pray for those that serve the community. Lord God, we pray for those that, uh, if you like, they're right out there. They're, they're touching broken lives uh, week by week. They're, they're meeting people on food bank. They're, they're, they're having to uh, bring, be peacemakers in situations. They're having to mediate between people. They're having to support and bring comfort and help. And Father, I pray that you will bring comfort and help to them. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon them, even in this moment, Lord God. We, we think of that account in Acts 6, where, where, where the church had to pick out uh, six, six people who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom in order to carry out a particular task. And Father, we ask for these folk, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that you will equip them to carry out this task, Lord God. Lord, we pray that in their spirits there will be an unction. We are serving the community. We are, we're, we're reaching the lost. We're building a bridge for the gospel. Father, I pray that you'll do that. Lord, I pray, I pray against the lies of the enemy that comes in that when they get frustrated, when they feel overwhelmed. God, I pray that you would be their strength. You would be their source. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to find a seat. So serving the community is something that is really important for us to, to reach out that what we do is not simply about us. It's linked to the world around us. And, it, and in some ways, we're doing things that I've, I've never experienced in church life. I've never uh, gone through those types of experiences, but we're beginning to do that here. here. The second thing is we're building the church. Uh, and as I said, and just, just repeat, just so you know, this, the two things that I feel personally, I suppose, a bit called to do, to serve those around us, to build bridges to the lost, uh, but also to bring disciples to maturity, yeah? that you would grow in maturity. You would come to make wise decisions about your life. You would, you would have successful marriages uh, because you're, you've grown in spiritual maturity. You've grown in, in emotional maturity and you're able to. And also in doing so, you've taken the simple step of going, I'm just going to follow his way. I'm just going to follow God's way. That's all I try and do. Just follow his way. And that you would do that for yourself. And so that, that, that's my prayer here. So building the church, we have, um, I suppose, two, two main, it can be divided really into two main areas, although there's, there's, a, there's a couple of others. It's Sundays, what we do on Sundays. And you'll remember if you were here when we moved from the Ritzy to here, um, we set up really three teams to run Sundays. And that was our welcome team, which is led by Becky, who's going to come out. That was our, our, our worship team, which is led by Matt and Alicia, and Matt's going to come out. And that was our kids team, which is led by Kate, and Kate's going to come out. So, yeah, so if, if we come out. Um, there, are, there are other ways that we build community, but Sundays is a key way. So you just need to know, for me, Sundays is not so much, and Ruth, sorry, who, who's with, who, yeah, um, yeah, so Ruth and Kate, the kids were... Uh, Becky leads the welcome team. Matt leads the worship. So Sundays for, uh, for us are not so much... Sundays are your shop window, but they're not. We're, we're not about putting God on display. We are about introducing people to Jesus. So even as we come to worship, one of the things that uh, we have in our hearts and our minds is for people to understand that you can know God personally. You can come to him personally and and, and he can... He can actually come and meet you when you sing songs to him. God meets you. God draws close to you. You can walk away and not, 
and not be on some sort of um, physical high, but you can walk away from church on a Sunday and go, oh, he's comforted me today. He's strengthened me today. He's spoken to me today. He's healed me today. He's restored me today. And we want people to have that type of experience of God. Yeah, I don't just want them to make lots of friends, although I do want them to do that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not like a friendless person. Um, but I want them more than that. If people came to church every Sunday and they just said, oh, it was really great, I made some friends. I'm like, oh, great. But I want them to meet Jesus, to experience him, to experience the Holy Spirit, because that's why he's here. So these are the, the areas that we have on a Sunday. Um, and we meet together every few weeks just to talk about Sundays and how they work. And I'm just going to get them to share uh, what they do. Cool. So uh, it's me and my wife, Alicia. She's not here today. She's gone to a baptism. But um, it's both of us. And we've been leading the worship team since July. And um, yeah, I don't know about you, but I've experienced some stuff in worship. that, And that's really where my passion comes from, is that, you know, just being in a, spirit, in a time of worship when God has done stuff in my life, and I've come out of just singing some songs, it would seem, but it's that connection with God, and it's changed my life. And so for me, worship is such a powerful thing. And so, I mean, we're, we're quite excited about worship and about leading the team. There's about 10, 10 or so people in the team and talented bunch of people um, and uh, people that have a heart for worship as well, um, for true worship, authentic worship. And we want to improve musically and technically and all that stuff, but that's kind of not our main focus. Our main focus is that. God would be worshipped because worship is about him and he's the center of it. And we desire that God's presence will be here as we meet together and as we come together. And we know that if that happens, that God will do stuff in our lives and God will change us. Um, I do just want to read a quick verse. It's in 2 Corinthians 3, a couple of verses. And it says, um, but whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And just quickly, what that's basically saying is that um, when we really look at God, and there's nothing in between that. God's glory comes on us and we start to reflect him. And that's, I guess, what we want to see happen more and more um, as we can come and meet each week. And, you know, sometimes we can come to church and it can feel like, oh, we're just singing a bunch of songs, we're doing church, we're going home. But I really believe that if we catch what the vision of worship is and we come and we are changed, that, you know, God will just do amazing stuff in us and we'll reflect his glory. And if we do that, you know, I believe that people can walk off the street and come into a church and encounter God just as we're singing worship to him. And I guess what's interesting about worship as well is that there's kind of a band at the front and there's a congregation here, but it's not like a concert because the one that's getting the worship is God and we're kind of all worshiping together. And so, that you know, that's really just our passion and vision for, for worship. So pray for us. Pray for... Uh, Alicia and I as we lead the team and pray for everyone who's up here leading that it will be authentic worship and that God will come and meet with us every time when we gather together. You're ready for a bold statement. The kids team is the best team in the church. Woo! 
it's awesome. Ruth and myself lead it, and our team are phenomenal. They are fun. They are passionate. They're full of the word. They're full of the spirit. They, they're inspired by the kids. They give to the kids. It's just brilliant. Um, and as a kids team, we, we count it as a privilege because we all want mighty oaks, don't we? But a mighty oak, it starts as a seed, and it has to be a sapling, and it has to grow. And, and for us, we very much see um, the kids like that. And so we want to create a safe environment where they can, they can grow in God, they can discover Jesus, they can find out about his miracles, they can understand the Holy Spirit, they can feel his presence, they can feel the love of the Father. So we work really hard to create that. And all of our sessions are structured around the Bible. Um, we do worship, we, we teach, we do a craft that backs up what we're saying. Then we have a prayer time. We um, have time to just listen to Holy Spirit. And um, it's just great. And it's so wonderful to see the kids really engaging. And, and we know this is foundational. This is, I mean, we've all, if we've grown up in church, we've all got scriptures that we learn in Sunday school and that carry us through, that we can remember those songs that refer to things. And um, so, yeah, so thank you all to the kids team that worked so hard and served so brilliantly. And um, pray for our children. Pray for them because because the, the world that they encounter is different to the world that we encountered. And they need the strength of God. They need the clarity of the word, um, which as a kids team is what we hope to bring. So the kids team is the best. Woo! Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, back up it, everything that Kate's just said. Uh, it's fantastic to serve on, on the kids team. And actually, I, I use the word serve, but actually uh, I, I get so blessed from it. I remember when Owen first asked Kate and I to, to leave, and I was like, I'm only doing it temporarily. Um, <laughs> few months and I just thought I'm not I don't have kids I don't work with kids and I haven't got many kids in my life um why are you asking me to lead the kids work at church but actually it's such a blessing and I get so much out of it and the kids are just fantastic and some of the stuff they come out with is prophetic words and um just the stuff that they they hear God say to them it's just brilliant and um yeah real sort of faith boost to us I sort of wanted to start with my bold statement saying welcome is terrible. If you are surly and you hate people, come along. This is where it's at. <laughs> Everyone kind of made notes. These are my notes and these are Caitlin's notes. So I hope what I say is this and not this. <laughs> um, I've realized, well, first of all, I had no idea what the vision was, but it turns out my vision is the same as the church vision. So well done, God. <laughs> we are very much just serving. And the other thing I realized when I was working out what to say is I actually run welcome like it's a ward because <laughs> I am a nurse. So... <laughs> So what we have is we have an interesting skills mix on each team. <laughs> Hang on, I'll read my notes. So um, it's very much, I have a real thing that we're about caring for the carers. Everyone who comes to church has a job. They give out through the week. And when people come along, sort of the, the hope and the heart for welcome is that we're not just showing new people where the toilets are, but that we're welcoming everyone in and saying, you know, you're part of this church. We care about you. And we try and look out for the other teams as well and make sure they're hydrated and not dead, things like that. Um, <laughs> can't read my notes. So, I mean, we do a lot of different stuff. So, you know, obviously we do the setup and mostly set down. And we are hoping that people will start to help us with setting down chairs because we're very weak, fragile people. Um, um, but we also do just, just generally we'll try and remain alert to people. And if we see people are new or if they look upset, we'll try and alert pastoral team and just trying to care and looking out and noticing you because you matter. 
Um, we also have point of contact, so the welcome table at the back is sort of there for if you've got comments or stuff you can say on the front. Didn't think this part through. Um, but very much about, so the other thing with the welcome team I think is really important is that it's not just for extrovert people who like talking to people. We have people who do not like talking to people and would rather not do it. So we kind of try and arrange the teams to, if you want to serve and you want to help and look after people, it doesn't just mean that you have to be the smiley face. There's so many different things you can do and ways of serving and helping. So we try and sort of have the, the team set up and some people are very physically fit and able and other people aren't. So it's, again, the teams are set up, as I say, skills mixed, working to the strengths. Um, and the other thing, so I grew up in church, and what I noticed is that people tend to join teams, and then they kind of feel that they're there for the rest of their lives, and you get a lot of burnout and things like that. So I'm very trying to remain very aware to that, and we've got things set up in place to look out for people and make sure they're okay, and you're not serving forever, and how the teams are run and how it's organized, just to try and make sure that as you're the ones who are on the team as well, that you're okay and that you're cared for, but I won't go into these. So if you are interested, I am on a bit of a recruitment run. I'm a bit recruitment happy. Um, when I took over, there was me and Janine. Now there's 19 of us but there's always room for more, so <laughs> everyone else helps me. <laughs> but um, as I say, I think we do a really big job, and we really do want to look after people, but the more people we have, and also, if you are new to the church, it's a really great place to start, because serving is a great way to get to know people, they get to know you, you get to see how the church runs, what goes where, how everything functions, but you're also part of a big team, so if you've got no idea, you can kind of hide behind other people, which I would like to do more. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, quickly now, if you're in any of these teams, I, I want you to stand. Yeah. You're in a welcome team, my love, yes. yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to pause for a moment for those of you who are not in a team to think, oh my life, should I join one? Um, so uh, we, we, would we would encourage, if you're new and you, and you want to get involved um, in the church here, then then the welcome team is the, is the place to start because you, you can do that next week. Do you know what I mean? So some people, they came to the church and the next week they were serving tea and coffee or, or putting out chairs and, and you, can, you can do that immediately. Um, but churches won't run without teams and it won't run without people. So uh, what I want us to do, the rest of us, we're just going to do this together. I want you to stand. Just put your hand on someone, not asking you to pray specific prayers, but we're just going to stand. I want you just to pray. Let's all just pray for these folk that do these uh, very... Uh, important roles in building the church. So some of you just come out here, pray for these guys. Well, we're gonna, there's more people who are, who, who are standing than there are people to pray for them. So let's just begin to pray. Let's just lift up our voices, pray for one another. Oh, Father.
Father, we pray for uh, um, the, just the Sundays that we meet every week, Lord. We, we just come to you now and we just pray your blessing upon these gatherings. Lord God, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would be present every time we gather. Lord God, when we, when we pray together before, we pray for your presence. When we, when we just share tea and coffee and we're setting up, we pray for your presence. God, we, we remember again in, in Acts 6, they were given a practical job, but, but that practical job was done by people who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And so, Father, we pray, even with our practical duties, that we would be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom as we do them. And God, it's our prayer that we will build this church, Lord, that we will build the church. Lord, I believe that serving is one of the ways that we grow in maturities as we learn to serve one another and serve together on teams on teams together, Lord God. And so I pray your blessing upon it. I pray for each team, Lord God. I pray that you will uh, anoint these guys that lead teams, Lord God. I pray an anointing upon them as they, as they lead these teams, uh, Lord God, whether it's on a Sunday or, or those other teams. I pray, anoint them, O oh God. Give them great wisdom, Lord God. Fill them with your spirit, O oh God. Cause them to be courageous in their leadership of those teams, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. Okay, just moving quickly on. Um, uh, so there's one more group, which I suppose, I suppose um, part of it, it's not the Sunday thing. It's not the serving out there thing. It's the, it's the other stuff that we do. And we've got, we've got four more teams. Yeah, yes, about four more teams. So these teams are, and I get these guys to come out, we've got uh, the pastoral team, uh, which Phil leads. Um, we have our, our, our trustees, which Ben leads. And we have uh, our elders team, which I lead. And then we have, uh, thank you girls, thank you daughters, children, yeah. And then we have... Um, uh, another team, which I used to call the comms, but they now call themselves Decreate, which Bill leads. Um, and so, um, again, part of building the church is ensuring that we, that we look after one another. That's, that's how do we come to maturity. Part of that is we pastor one another. Um, uh, ben will talk about the, sort of the trustees and all the things that we do that, that look out to protect ourselves and make sure that we're doing the right things in the right way and and Bill's team I think is is an interesting one that we, we've started uh, uh, sort of 18 months two years ago and it's really about the communication from the church within the church but also Bill just makes wonderful connections with other people and 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 communications just in the area that we're in so I'll let them say something I'm very aware I'm standing with the elders that's not a statement at all <laughs> it's purely accidental um so as Owen said, I lead, I lead Be Create, it's recently been rebranded. Um, so it all started off as a recognition that we needed to improve the efficiency of communicating the church, Owen, office, to the leaders, to the, uh, the congregation, and to the rest of the world. So we called together anyone who's interested in that kind of thing. We went to his house, and he was like, great, you're now a team, choose a leader. And we were like, what? We just come for a meeting. Um, so there we go. That's how Aaron builds build that team. We was coerced. So a lot of what I lead, you see it all the time, but you don't probably even really realize it's there. So 
we do that. We do the pop-ups, the flyers, the website, Twitter, Facebook, um, the email system, the sign-up forms, all the graphics, all the visual stuff. Uh, the video for the birthday celebration we had, we do that as well. So any kind of uh, visual communication, we, we do, we run that. Um, we have supported Food Bank in the past with their media and their communication stuff. Uh, we've done, we supported New Day on the Road, we created all the stuff for that, we're doing, we're helping Alpha and all that kind of thing. And we've got a whole load of projects that we want to work through as well. We're starting to get stories up on the website as well, not just Owen's weekly update. Um, which are very good and you should read them. There's very, loads of information. People go, oh, I don't read that, but you really should. There's loads of good stuff in there. Um, we have a mission statement because I thought about it a little while ago. Um, so I haven't really got a Bible verse, but if I was to have one, I'd go straight to the beginning. In the beginning, God created. He's a very creative God, and creativity is a very God-given thing. So our statement, if you like, is um, it's a team where people can use a their God-given gifts, however they're manifested, to use them and develop them to, to serve and build the church. So I suppose my, my request is we have a core team of people who, we do, who do all of it, but if you, have any kind of, if you have any kind of creative urge, any ideas, uh, if you do anything like that in your day job, then come to speak to us because we have our core team, but we're looking to increase our pool of resources. So... You don't have to say, right, I'm in the team and now that's it forever. But you might say, actually, I can help out with Christmas because we're starting to talk about Christmas already. We've got a Christmas meeting next week. Um, so I can help out with that because I'm good at event planning, for example. Or I do online media PR for wherever I work. So if you've got anything like that, then let me know because we could definitely use you and you won't be definitely signing up forever. It'll just be an as and when we need you. Thank you. Emma. I was thinking about pastoral care this, this morning, just in the car. <clears throat> what, what's it, what is it really for and what's it about? And I think what it's, what it's about is helping to facilitate you and facilitate us to fulfill Jesus' new commandment. So what was Jesus' new commandment? Anybody remember? A new commandment I give to you. What was it? Love one another. And if you've been in church a long time, you've heard love one another many, many times. But actually, it is his new commandment to us. And this week, I was just reminded on just two, on two separate occasions about the importance of, of helping us, helping each other to love one another. I was reminded of it. And uh, particularly this week, I've just been excited about what God's been doing with the Holy Spirit with us. I don't know if you, many of you will have been there on Tuesday night and when John just talked about a couple of stories where he was sensitive and the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge and just how that un unfolded in these fantastic stories that he, that he gave. And I think God's turning up the spiritual heat a bit for us in terms of our desire for the Holy Spirit and for his gifts. And I've been excited about that this week. And I've also felt God say to me twice on two separate occasions from two completely different sources, yeah, Phil, it's about love. Because actually, if you've got all of that, and you don't have love, what are you? You're a resounding gong. You're a clashing cymbal. So, so there's one, do you know that, that, that Christians have one debt that remains? Paul says that. There's, we talk a lot, don't we, about getting rid of our debts. We talk a lot about him taking all of our debts. But the Bible says that you and I have one debt that remains. 
to love one another. That's what it says. One debt remains, to love one another. And so pastoral care for me, that's what it's about. It's about loving one another, and it's about facilitating that. Because actually, as Owen said, if we want to reach the world outside, how do they recognize it? They recognize that we are his disciples if we love one another. And powerfully for me, Alpha is an example of that. You constantly come across people at Alpha who are quite embittered and angry, and they still don't have their questions answered about suffering. But gradually over the weeks, they mellow. And I remember one guy who still towards the end of a course I was on was still really angry and bitter. And one day we just were praying and I went and just said, can I just pray for you? And he started to weep. Why was that? Was it because I was saying something profound? No, it was because suddenly he was tasting someone's interested enough in me to love me enough to pray for me. So actually, us loving is vital. It's absolutely crucial. And so the pastoral team, in in my, my view, is all about that. It's about how we facilitate that. And so one of the things that we do is we cover community groups. And at the moment, you know, we're all meeting together. And I just think that's a really right thing to do at the moment, the way God's meeting us on a Tuesday night. And that's about building one another up. It's about loving one another. It's about praying into our own situations. It's about bringing words. It's about edifying. And, and so community groups are a great way for us to just be facilitated in loving one another. So community groups, baptisms we cover. I have to look on the list. Uh, prayer. And, and so prayer groups, dedications. Thanks, Kate. And there was another one I thought of when I was sitting down that's not on there. But prayer and prayer groups, so so one of the things that we have is we've got on our, we have a database that Kate sort of keeps with us and she then sends it to Emma. And so the core of the pastoral team, just so you know, is Steve and Emma and I, and then we, we, we dip out to other people as well. But that's the core. And I'm so glad I've got those guys. I'm so glad I've got Emma, who's just so logistically wired. And so it's like my people are talking to their people now because they do, they do these email things and with spreadsheets, and so it's great. And so if you're interested in becoming part of a prayer group or you want to access some pastoral care, then just get in touch with the church office, and then they will get in touch with us. Okay, that's sort of pastoral care. Thanks, Bill. Trustees, what do we do? What do we do? Trustees do all the stuff that's in the background that kind of makes the, uh, a church work. That is fucking sometimes can be a little bit boring, but it has to happen, unfortunately. So uh, it's kind of really three things. The, uh, the first is um, safeguarding, and so that is really safety. So think about safety. We think about mostly for our children. It's not just our children. It's also for all of us as adults as well. So Laura Brown leads that. She does a fabulous job. She set up all our policies, our procedures. She looks after the operations. She's just great. So really great. That's the first thing. The, se- the second thing is money. Yeah, money, 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 isn't it? That's what I ever, all, all I ever talk to you guys about, somehow. Um, so the money, I've, uh, I've got Stella helping me with that. She's that's a wonderful job of just dealing with the day-to-day practicalities of that. I've got Ruth as well, Ruth McCabe, helping to uh, doing a lot of the, recon, uh, the reconciliation as a separate pair of eyes. So there's three of us, therefore, that oversee the money, and that's really key because the, what that brings is a real segregation of duties. What I mean by that is no one person does everything. So therefore, we, yeah, there's no way that 
I, know, I, I could take the money and pay myself something that I know for me personally, no, I know, nice new bass guitar. Uh, and the church pays for it, and yeah, well, I know. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's the three of us, and it's all nice and safe, and it's good. And the third thing is what I think uh, Owen calls governance, but I kind of think of business operations. That's stuff like uh, the taxman, HMRC, it's legal, it's company's house because we're actually a company, it's the charities commission because we're actually a registered charity. It's just that kind of stuff. You, you just got to keep it going because it's kind of part of the church, but it just goes on in the background. And that's it. I think the, the one thing I would say about uh, trustees is if when churches go wrong, it goes wrong in that area. No, no, that's not, that's not, I'm not, I'm not blaming Ben, but th let me explain what I mean, is the, the world outside is not particularly interested in how we do community groups, yeah, they're, they're not interested, people aren't looking in and going, um, you know, how do they run their community groups again, how do they, what are they preaching, up? they're not interested in that, they're not necessarily even interested in our website, they might look at it, but they're not that interested, they are interested in how we handle our money and how we look after our children. Yeah, because the world we live in, it's interested in your money and it's interested in, in, in safeguarding child protection. So those things are vital that you keep them at the top of your agenda as a church. It's not enough for us to pray to Jesus and leave our kids exposed. That's not enough. Yeah, we can't explain that to everyone. Oh, no, but we were just praying to Jesus and he was good. No, we need to be able to practically organize those things. And that's quite a, quite a big thing for me. I was a chair of governors of a school for a while. Um, and I saw in my last church how important it was that we looked after the money well and that we looked after the people well from a, from a practical sort of legal point of view. Okay, what I want us to do is we're just going to stand quickly. If you're involved in any of these areas, just stand up, stand up. If you're involved in any of these, trustees, pastoral care. Or, okay, what we're going to, just stretch out your hand and we're going to pray um, because time's moving on. So let's just pray for them. Let's all just pray for those people. I can't hear you praying, so... Father, we pray for uh, these three important areas of church life. We, we recognize, God, that, that we, can't, we can't build church without thinking about how we handle the money. We can't build church without thinking about how we love one another. And Father, today we can't build church without thinking about what do people see on the outside, how we communicate our communication. And so, God, I pray again, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint these guys in the roles that you've given them to do, that Holy Spirit, you would come upon them in those areas, that we would handle money in such a wise, godly way, uh, Father, that we would communicate in a wise and godly way, that we would look after one another in a wise and godly way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, and so the, the, the final group, and 
again, I'll, I'll just pray quickly. This is we have the elders. So our church functions with with an eldership. Uh, we believe eldership is a, is a is a male only role. It's the only male only role we see in um, I see in, in 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 the Bible that's exclusively uh, for men. It, it links really. It's all about authority. You have the Trinity in the Trinity: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a relationship of authority. The Son submits to the Father. It happens in the same in the church. It happens the same in marriage. And, and you read that in the scripture. I've just given you a whole load of very controversial things in a second. Um, so if you want to know more about that, then you can talk to somebody other than no, You can talk to me uh, if, if you want more information. But, but we believe that. And as elders, we were set apart, myself, Phil, and Ben, were set apart probably just under two years ago now to, to, uh, to lead the church. And very much this, this whole, what, what I'm communicating to you is very much the heart of the elders. We meet every... Tuesday and have done for years now, three, four years, every Tuesday morning at 6.30 we meet to pray uh, as, as a group of elders and, um, uh, and that has been a, a just a really, it is wonderful having a team like that that is, that is unified, united in support and supporters. And then around the elders we've got just a, a, a small group of guys that we call Elders Plus and that includes John who hosts most of our meetings, uh, includes Dan who's probably not in here right now. And it includes Steve, who I'm not even sure is in here right now. So, so Steve, Dan, and John. Um, and so occasionally we will draw them in to, uh, to pray with us, just to talk around stuff. So that's basically how, how Beacon runs, how we're set up. I wanted you to know that. Um, going forward, we have many opportunities, but we also have many uh, uh, challenges. And I'm just going to mention these in, in, two, in two minutes. Two challenges that we have. One of our challenges is basically it's it's fear. Yeah, many people are are fearful, and there is the fear of man that that, that functions and and it, and it functions around the church. It functions in the church. It can function. It can function in us as individuals that we're just fearful of people in situations. If you think back, why was I? Why didn't I not want to do that? Sometimes it's fear, but also in this day and age, we can just be fearful of the world outside us. Because the church is becoming so marginalized in what it thinks. So we need, it just takes, and I genuinely believe this, it takes courage simply to remain orthodox in my Christian beliefs. It takes courage. It takes faith. Because fear is there. Fear is a challenge. And then the other challenge I believe we have is simply related to the world around us. And the Bible talks about the worries and cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth come in and choke the seed. And I think one of our biggest challenges is we can just get caught up in life. And so we no longer get caught up with God. It's a real challenge. You can just get caught up in the, in the things that you do, the life that you live. Particularly if, you, if maybe you've been praying and seeking God and you've not seen him answer your prayers in the way that you thought, it's very easy then to get, to get directed into something else. And just on that, I want to say next week we start a series on Joseph, we're coming towards the end of Genesis, and we're going to do just a few weeks on Joseph. Uh, just as I've been preparing and thinking and praying about that, I just see it as a really key series to look at Joseph. If you are asking questions like, why didn't God answer that prayer? Why did God allow that to happen? Why is it that good, bad things seem to happen to good people? Why is it that I've never seen that happen? Why has God never answered that prayer? Why have those circumstances always looked bad? If you inside think to yourself, that success, that God's, that the way I know God's with me is I'm successful. If you've ever thought anything like that, 
this series will really help you. It will really help you because we'll be able to look at how the Bible actually deals with those things. And we use the story of Joseph to do that. And we'll be looking at that from uh, next week. So we go back next week to a more, a more normal sort of thing. Okay, something we'll probably fix up. So, uh, so there are challenges. But there are also opportunities. And one of our major opportunities here is, and it's a new thing for me, is partnership with other local churches. Psalm 133 talks about um, how good and pleasant is when brothers or people dwell together in unity. And at the end of that passage, it talks about, for there the Lord commands a blessing. When people are united, God commands a blessing. And so one of the things that we've been working on and working with is other churches in Brixton. We're actually so connected, it's unreal how connected we are with some of the other churches. Much of what we do in terms of serving the community, we do with others. We don't do it alone. And uh, in fact, there's even been... There's even been discussion about off the back of a whole week of prayer that we had last week. Um, uh, I was meeting with Ben who leads St. Paul's and he was saying to me, we're wanting to meet to pray every month. Like, you, can we do it together? Can we do it together? So we're doing things that I've never done before. I meet every week with people from other churches to pray. And I just sense that is a unique opportunity that God has given us in building the church here in Brixton. It doesn't happen everywhere, but it is beginning to happen here. And, it, and it's, it's a unique thing that I really want us to embrace. The other real opportunity we have, and you'll know that this is a passion for me because I wrote a book about it, it's building a diverse church. Yeah, And I know some of you smile at that because you go, oh, I really love the fact that you love that. Um, but it is a genuinely unique thing. Obviously, we live in a diverse society. You go anywhere, I go to my badminton club, it's all very diverse. But in diversity in terms of building the church takes it to a new level because it's about relationships, and it's about relationships that are formed at the cross. You need to read Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. And you'll see the picture there of this group of people that were once aliens and strangers, and they become friends and family, and the, and the intervening act was the cross. It was that Jesus died and shed blood. And as a result of that, he brought peace between people. That's massive. It's massive for us. And as a church... We're, we're going for that. Yeah, no, I don't stand up here every week and start talking about it, but we are going for that. Yeah, we are wanting to build a place, build a community where people who, are, who carry influence sit with people who have nothing. People who are well-fed sit with people who have no food. We're, we're looking to build that. It's not just ethnic diversity. It's diversity in all its forms. We're wanting to build it here. Why? Because in, in Isaiah 2, it talks about the mountain of the Lord's temple Will be, will be raised up and will be seen as chief among the mountains. And all people will stream to it and they'll say, come, let us go to the mountain of God. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. There is something about building that type of church that will draw people, that people will look to. So we're trying to build that and it's a real opportunity for us. So that's where we are. That's where Beacon's at. That's what we're doing my prayer is that many of you will feel, yeah, I want to I, I wanna give myself to this. This is something I know for me personally, okay, yeah, I work for the church and all that type of stuff. But even before I ever worked for the church, there came a point where I realized long ago, a number of years ago, do you know what? If people can give their time to flower arranging three nights a week, I can give myself to the church. I can build something that transforms lives. I can do something that genuinely makes a difference for eternity. 
If people can give themselves to going to the gym every day, to get physically fit, I can give myself to spiritual fitness. I can give myself to training myself to be godly. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Let's stand and I'm going to pray. Father, we're grateful because you're such a good God. And, and Lord, I don't stand here with, with some sort of personal idea or vision. I don't stand here thinking that I have the sort of personality that's going to draw people. I stand here, Lord God, and I'm saying, Jesus, would you be the one that draws people into this place? Father, I stand here encouraging people not to look to me, but to look to you, O oh God. I encourage them to look to you. I encourage them to get to your word. I encourage them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I encourage them to be obedient in their lives. Father, I pray for deep devotion to Jesus. And as we get devoted to you, we get devoted to the very thing that you are devoted to, and that is the church. You're devoted to the church. You died for the church. You died in order that this body of people might reflect your glory, might say something about who you are. And Father, what we're seeking to build in human terms, is not possible. It isn't possible to build that. But with you, all things are possible to those who believe. And so we say that we believe you, we trust you, and we're following you. And so we ask for your blessing upon all that we've talked about this morning. Uh, we ask for your hand upon it. We pray again for Jake, for your hand upon his life, and other young people that we know in difficult, dangerous situations. We pray your hand upon their lives, oh God. We pray for Alpha on Wednesday to be fruitful. We ask, Lord, for many to come and to find you. We pray for Food Bank to be fruitful. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you. Um, feel free to fill out a form at the back. Also, feel free to help set down the chairs. That will really help the welcome.